All right, Galatians chapter 5 tonight, as you find your place in the Word of God, Galatians chapter 5. And as you find your place, if you're able to, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. As you find your place in Galatians chapter 5, I'd encourage you also to find the book of Romans chapter number 6 and just kind of put a bookmark there, your ribbon in your Bible. We'll go there toward the end of the message tonight. But we'll primarily be in the book of Galatians, and uh, we'll be in chapter 5 to start out, <clears throat> and really kind of trying to cover the whole book. Um, you say, man, that's a lot of a book to cover there, Brother Andrew, in just 36 minutes. Uh, we're not going to cover the whole book, not the whole book, but we're going to highlight a couple things. And I'd encourage you tonight just to kind of follow me with this thought, this idea. Um, I don't want sympathy tonight, but man, I have labored over this thought, this idea, and I was sharing a little bit with Pastor this afternoon. So I'm, my prayer tonight is that this thought that God has laid on my heart and really something God has talked to me about, and I'm going to get personal with me tonight, that I can relay it in such a way to be a motivation and encouragement to you, uh, God's people. So in Galatians chapter number 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And the Bible says this in verse number 1 of Galatians chapter 5, Stand fast, therefore... In the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. I want to just kind of go back real quick to verse number four. That term, ye are fallen from grace, is not talking about losing their salvation. That's not what he's talking about. And we're going to get into that here in a second, but it has nothing to do with losing your salvation. We'll explain that. Hopefully, I'll, I'll remember it in my notes here. Verse five says, For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Verse 10, the Bible says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none with, uh, otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, how do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use liberty, uh, sorry, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. I've entitled the message tonight, kind of a long title. So what's your excuse? Because you ain't got one. And we're going to expound that here in Galatians chapter 5, what God has for us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again. Lord, for this time, uh, as we come here to the preaching hour, the most important part of the service and Lord, as the Word of God is presented, I pray tonight that you would Lord, give liberty, give power, give unction, Lord, that the message would be applicable to those that are here, but at the same time, God, that we would search our hearts as we begin this year of 2020 with our theme, Go Ye, and even tonight as we allude to our theme, has been alluded even in the message this morning, that we would see ourselves for who we really are. There's no way that we can go ye out to the highways and the hedges, whether it's in St. Joseph, Missouri, whether it's in Missouri as a whole, the United States of America, or the world, until we first see our own need. 
Lord, tonight we might be standing here in this auditorium. We know for sure that we're saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. We know for sure that heaven's our home. We know for sure that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, yet we stand here very needful tonight. So God, I pray that you'd meet with us, that you'd speak to our hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. The book of Galatians is the first of 12 epistles that the Apostle Paul writes and uh, Galatians chapter number 1, verse number 2, if you go back there and look at that verse, Paul basically tells us this, that uh, whereas most of his epistles were written to individuals or to local churches, uh, the book of Galatians is actually written to multiple churches in the area of Galatia. And so Paul's writing this epistle, if you would, to not just an individual or not to just an individual church, but to multiple churches that are represented by the region of Galatia. And Paul had labored in Galatia uh, two different uh, distinct occasions, and and had a desire to even go back to Galatia and labor even more. But the Spirit of God, we know this, that the Macedonian call, that God directed Paul to go more toward Europe. And so Paul's direction was was opposite of Galatia. But at the same time, Paul had a heart and a desire for those people that he invested in. And if you study the life of Paul, and you know this, that as Paul went to Galatia, he dealt with a type of people that were very idolatrous. Uh, They were the type of people that were uh, wrapped up in the customs, if you would, of the day and wrapped up with the idolatry that was very prominent in the in the day that Paul lived. And so Paul dealt with the people who who uh, were steeped in religion, right? They were steeped in idolatry. They were steeped in carnal things. And so Paul didn't just walk in and just knock on the door, if you would, of the tent or the house, whatever it is, and say, hi, I'm Paul. I'd like to I'd like to uh, give the gospel to you. And I'm sure Paul had to labor in Galatia. So you can imagine it as Paul labored in Galatia and he saw people get saved, that obviously there were some, there were some close ties that were bound. There were some things that took place. I was talking to uh, Brother Chuck this last week and his brother Chuck and Miss Amy, uh, labor in Bemenji, Minnesota in, in, in a church plan, if you would, of 50 to 60 to 70 people. Uh, there's some, there's some closeness that, that bonds there. There's some, there's some things that take place in the, as far as our relationships go. And you think about the missionaries that go overseas to foreign countries. And as they're out knocking doors and as they're out witnessing and laboring in the field, there's some bonds that, that are created that are very, very special and very, very unique. And so we get into Galatians, the book of Galatians, and, and we see Paul's heart, if you would, about dealing with something that's very prominent within the region there. And the, the problem is this, is that as Paul has gone and he's labored, and as he's given the gospel, and as he's seen people get saved, he leaves. I mean, he's on, he's on a journey, he's going, he's, he's still planting churches, he's still reaching people. But as he leaves, there's somebody that creeps in. And somebody creeps in and starts convincing the Galatians, the Christians in Galatia, that they're not really saved. That's really, I'm kind of, kind of, kind of giving you a nutshell of the book of Galatians here real quick tonight so we can move along. Uh, but they, they convince the Galatians they're not really saved. And so if you go back into Galatians chapter number one, you're going to read where Paul writes to the churches and he's writing to these Christians and he's saying, listen, what's basically he's saying, what's the problem? Uh, you know, you, why have you, why have you forsaken that which I preached? Why have you walked away from the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so what has taken place is these Judaizers come in and they, they creep on into the churches and they, they create this mindset, uh, of what we would call basically legalism. Legal, listen, legalism has nothing to do with standards and convictions. It has everything to do with putting people under the law and putting specifically when it comes to salvation, saying, listen, if you're going to be saved, you have to do this. No, 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 no. I'm thankful tonight that I'm saved, but I'm also thankful tonight that I'm saved, not because I was baptized, amen, 
I'm thankful. Come on, let's wake up here. I'm thankful tonight that I'm saved, not because I'm a member of Riverside Baptist Church. I'm thankful tonight that I'm saved, not because uh, God's called me to the ministry or not because I married Crystal Rodriguez or not because I'm... No, no, I'm thankful tonight that I'm saved because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so what is taking place here is that these Judaizers show up and they go, well, you know what, here's the deal. Um, you're not really saved. Well, what do you mean we're not really saved? I mean, you, surely, I mean, the Apostle Paul, I mean, Paul, he preached the gospel and we got saved, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Well, listen, listen, there, you know, there, there's a problem here is that this, is that you're not keeping the law. You're not, you're not keeping the commandments of Moses. And because you're not doing these things, therefore you're not saved. Listen, we, we live in a society today in 2020 where there's religions that say, hey, in order for you to get to heaven, you have to do this. And they attach works to their faith and they attach works to their religion. I'm thankful tonight the God that I serve is not like that. I'm thankful tonight the God that I serve just simply says this. Hey, listen, listen, if you will put your faith and trust in my son and what he's done upon the cross of Calvary, you're saved. Listen, I'm thankful tonight that I don't have to do works. I have to be baptized to be a member of a church. But obviously, as Paul is dealing with the Christians at Galatia, there's a problem that arises and Paul gets word. And, and most likely, a lot of people say this, that as he's penning the book of Galatians, he's most likely also penning uh, uh, first or second Corinthians. And so Paul is, his, obviously his heart is burdened for those people that he's invested in. His heart is burdened for those people that he loves and that he cherishes and that he saw come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he also knows that there's a big problem. And he also recognizes this, that there's something that's coming in the way of these people's walk with God. And so in verse number one, the Bible says this, Paul says this in verse chapter five, verse one, he says, stand fast, stand fast. Now, why would Paul, why would Paul say stand fast? Hold your place in Galatians chapter five and let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Galatians chapter number one. Galatians chapter number one. Paul writes this book with a deep concern for the Galatian believers. And and listen, his concern is this. His concern is that they're mixing salvation by grace with what they would basically call, in a nutshell, salvation by the law. Notice what Paul says here in verse number three. He says, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Man, whoo, man, Paul, that's a great message. Man, salvation, man, God, Jesus Christ, man, that's great. But notice his tone changes here in verse number six. Notice what he says. He says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul says, man, I'm thankful for Jesus Christ and what he's done and who he is in my life. But wait a minute now, I'm marveled, I'm amazed. I'm kind of a little taken back that so soon after I left, so soon after the gospel was given, so soon after salvation, you would latch on to something else that you know is not the truth. That's ultimately what he's saying here. Could we relate to that tonight? That so often we hear something that's truth, we hear truth, and we know it's truth. God convicts us that it's truth, but yet we have a hard time latching on to truth. We have a hard time admitting when we're wrong. We have a hard time admitting that when God moves and works in our heart, just surrendering and yielding. It was talked about this morning that we would just yield to what God has for us. And so he says this in verse number seven. He says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert. Notice what he says, how he uses this. He says, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul says, man, you, I come, I, I came to Galatia, I had revival meetings, we had, we had, we had tent revival, and I was preaching the gospel, and man, people got saved, man, praise the Lord, I move on, go on to start more churches, minister, teach, and I get word back that now you're believing a different gospel. So where are you going with this, Brother Andrew? Just keep following me, keep following me. So here's Paul. He says this in verse 7. 
and would pervert the gospel, Christ. I don't know of a stronger term than pervert the gospel of Christ. I, I couldn't imagine a stronger term uh, than, than that term found right there in that verse, that, that they would follow a perversion of the gospel of Christ. Listen, when you think of the gospel of Christ, what do you think of? When you think of the gospel in its entirety, what do you think of? Man, I think of Jesus Christ going to the cross of Calvary. But not just, listen, not just going to the cross of Calvary, but being mocked and humiliated and ridiculed. I think about him shedding his blood. I think about him giving up the ghost. I think about him being buried in the, in the tomb and three days later rising again. Man, I, I think about all that Jesus Christ did for me. Hey, if he didn't do it for anybody else, he did it for me, amen? But then to say this about the gospel, Paul says this, that, man, you would follow a perversion of the gospel. That's a pretty strong statement. Very, very strong. And so the church in Galatia, the churches in Galatia, they've got some serious issues. They've got some serious problems. You say, Brother Andrew, I don't really see what the big deal is. I mean, I mean, Paul's saying here that simply this, that Jesus Christ, I and mean, he's talking about Jesus Christ, and talking about the blood that was shed, and talked about the grace of God. I mean, grace, faith and grace. Man, that, that's, those are familiar terms. The problem is this, is that the Christians that were in Galatia did not, listen, did not recognize truth when it was right in front of them. They didn't recognize it. And so there was this spiritual battle, this spiritual struggle, if you would. Look at chapter number three of Galatians. We're going to get back to Galatians chapter five. But notice this, what Paul says in Galatians chapter number three. Paul goes on, he, and in chapter number one, in chapter number two, he gets very personal. Paul talks about his salvation and about him putting his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so in verse number 20 of chapter 2, man, we know this verse, I am crucified with Christ. But then he gets into chapter 3, and notice what he says here in verse number 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should obey, or sorry, that you should not obey the truth? Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Can I be honest with you tonight and just be very transparent? I know it's a Sunday night, but listen, when we come to church, when we come to church, I'll be honest, we want God to meet with us, but can I be real tonight that many times, many, many, many times, we hinder God from meeting with us? And here's the reason why, because we really don't, deep down inside, want the truth. I mean, it got really quiet. Got really quiet. Listen, listen, let's be honest, let's be real tonight. Sometimes we really don't want the truth. It was very evident this morning during the Sunday morning message, if you were here this morning as pastor was preaching, Man, point number one, he kind of, he stayed on for a long time, man, man, about tithing. Woo, man. And you could tell, man, it was just like, but you know what? That was truth. That was truth. The whole message was truth. Hey, listen, we, he was preaching last week. Hey, remember when he kicked the pulpit? Remember the day when he kicked the pulpit? Man, it's truth. Man, he's flinging it out. It's truth. But man, we're just like, I don't need that. I got my own plans. I got my own agenda. No, 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 no. Here's what Paul is saying to the Galatians. What are you thinking? Truth is right in front of you, yet you're ignoring it. Can I say this to us tonight, Riverside Baptist Church, and and I say this in the most respectful way, that truth is ever in front of us every service. But how do we respond? How do we as a church respond? Man, what if Paul was writing to our church today? What if he was writing to Riverside Baptist Church? What would Paul say about our church? Would Paul say, hey, listen, uh, man, this church is on fire for God. Man, they're doing things, Brother Mike. Man, this is a church. If I was in St. Joseph, man, I'd be a member of that church. Or would Paul come in and go, you know what? Truth's presented, yet truth's ignored. Now, listen, we're starting out 2020, and we're talking about go ye. and We're talking about see, see. What is it tonight 
in you, in me, spiritually, that we're not seeing that when truth is presented, we're ignoring it. That when truth is brought out through the preaching of the Word of God, that when truth is brought out in our Sunday school lessons, wherever truth is brought out, that we're looking at and going, that's foolishness. No, no, no. Paul told the church in, the churches in Galatia, you're foolish. What are you thinking? Truth is ever before you, yet you're ignoring it. So let's keep reading what he says here. Verse number one. Chapter three, verse number one. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth? Now notice this. He says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Here's what he's saying. Why would you not believe the truth? You saw God move in your life, yet you totally ignored it. July 7th, 2019. What was taking place at Riverside Baptist Church? Teenagers, don't say anything. I used this illustration last week in Sunday school. Remember July 7, 2019? Let me refresh your memory. It was a Sunday night. It was a Sunday night after camp, Brother Bailey. And here's what happened. We watched God move in. Three, what, three, three and a half hours? Three, three and a half hours? Watch the altars packed. Watch God move. Watch the grace of God, the hand of God come down upon our, our congregation. Man, happy David, that was exciting. I just wish every service was like that. Why is it not? Why is it not? And hey, listen, here's the amazing thing. We didn't even have preaching that night. Some of y'all are like, we need to have more services like that. No, 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 no. Listen, we didn't have preaching that night. You know why? Because it wasn't about us. It was all about him. It was all about him. But here's the mindset. When truth's when presented, truth's given to us Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, a missions conference, revival meetings, whatever the case is, when truth's presented, how do we respond? Here the Galatians had an opportunity to respond the way God wanted to respond. Paul's like, listen, I've given you the gospel. You're, you're saved by grace through faith, not because of your works, not because of your legalism, not because of keeping the law, but yet you're rather, you'd rather have that? Let's just agree tonight that the Galatians have salvation a little messed up, don't they? They have it a little confused, so let's keep reading. Paul goes on to say this. Look at verse number 8. Uh, sorry, verse number 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul's saying this. Listen, it's not about it's not about you. It's not about the Judaizers. It's not about any of those things. It's simply about Christ. And he gets into Galatians chapter number 5, and he says this in verse number 1. Stand fast, therefore. Why? why? Paul, why, why would you tell the, church, the Christians at Galatia, why would you tell them to stand fast? And here's the deal. Because Paul outlines in this book, we don't have time to go through the whole book, but man, he outlines perfectly in this book that because of Jesus Christ, they're saved, not because of their works, but because of the grace of God. Listen, tonight, you and I, if we're truly born again, we're not born again because we're good looking. We're not born again because we're fancy. We're not born again because we have money. We're simply born again because of the grace of God. And when we, when we grab a hold of that concept, when we grab a hold of that truth, it's like, man, that's, that's liberating. You say, why do you say it like that, Brother Andrew? Look what Paul says, verse number one again. Stand fast, therefore, in the what? Liberty. 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 <clears throat> man, what a sad fact that the Christians of Galatia were limiting themselves by thinking that they had to be under the law in order to be saved. We think, man, you know, I'd be under the law to be, to be wrapped up in the law and to be bound by the law just so that I would work my way to myself. Man, man, it's so confusing. That's so sad. 
That's so sad. So, Brother Andrew, we're not under the law, obviously. And here at Riverside Baptist Church, we don't preach that we're under the law. And here at Riverside Baptist Church, we don't believe in legalism, that there's something attached to salvation. No, 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 no. There's no baptism attached to salvation. There's no church membership attached to salvation. Now, listen, there's no tithing and giving to missions attached to salvation. It's just simply salvation. And listen, because I'm saved tonight, because I'm born again tonight, I have a desire to be baptized. And I have a desire to be part of a local independent Baptist church. I have a desire to be faithful in my tithing and in my missions and in my service to God's house. Listen, I don't have to do these things. I get to do these things. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I don't even have to give. But I get to. Why? Because of the grace of God. Man, when we grab a hold of that, it just totally frees us. So Paul says this in verse number one. Stand fast in what? The liberty. The liberty. When was the last time you really felt free? What do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? No, no, no. You're like, man, we're, we're Americans. I mean, we're really free. I mean, we got a messed up political system. But no, no, no. When was the last time you really felt free? When was the last time you really felt like, man, God is just, man, Brother Jimmy, God is just so good. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. When was the last time you woke up and you went through your day and you, were just, you just had a smile on your face thought, man, this is, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Amen. When was the last time you felt like that? When was the last time that you had the, really the deep down joy and peace and contentment of the Lord? I said, man, Brother Andrew, it's been a long time. Because here's what happens. Paul tells them in verse number one to stand fast in the liberty. But then he says something very profound. This is where we're going to be at for the remainder of the message tonight in verse number seven. Notice what he says here. He says this in verse number 7 of chapter 5. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? You see, Paul looks back over the early years and reminds himself of their devotion, their joy, their excitement, their compassion, their drive. And he says these words, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? You see, Paul acknowledges that at one point they did run well. And it's important to note this, that Paul never uses the image of a race to uh, tell people how to be saved. No, 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 no. Listen, he always refers to those that are saved as being in a race. And so we're going to get a little personal here tonight to kind of close out the message. Paul says, listen, you did run well. You ran well. So if I'm over here and I'm beginning in this race and, and my objective is to run from this side of the auditorium to the next side to complete the race, it's very evident that I have to what? I have to start the race. I, I cannot get from this side to that side and not move. It just doesn't, doesn't happen that way. So I have to start out in the race. And so Paul says this, that as you were saved, as you were born again, you began this race. And listen, I'll be honest with you, the Christian life is a race. It's a race. It's a long race. It's a hard race, but it is a very profitable race as well. So Paul says, you started this race, you ran well, but there's something that hindered you. There's something that hinders you and hinders me from running the race. So we're not going to have confession time here tonight. So I'm not going to ask anybody if they'll be willing to stand up and go, hey, this is what hinders me in my race for the Lord, Brother Andrew. So I went ahead and wrote down a couple things that in reading this passage a couple months ago, God showed me that hinders me in my race. And I wrote them down because sometimes visual aids are a little bit 
They, they just, they're a little bit better, Brother Jimmy. <clears throat> Here's the first thing that God showed me that hinders my race. Sin. Paul said this in Romans chapter 3, verse number 23. For all have sinned. You know, there's one thing tonight that I really appreciate about Paul, the Apostle Paul. He was a sinner. <laughs> so why do you appreciate that, Brother Andrew? Because God used him. Because God used him. You know, I look at people like Paul, I look at people like David, I look at people like Moses. Listen, I look at people, people I mean, if you were in the adult Sunday school class the last couple of weeks, look at Peter. Right, Brother Mike? Look at Peter. Man, sinful. A sinner. But you know what? God used him. But you know, tonight, young person and old person alike, sin in your life and sin in my life hinders us from running the race. And just listen, just like the, uh, the Christians at Galatia, they were hindered, listen, they were hindered by a false pretense of salvation and, and something added into salvation. Listen, we as Christians today, hey, Brother Andrew, I'm born again. I'm not into legalism. I'm not into work salvation. But no, 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 listen. Our sin hinders us. And here's the amazing thing about this fact right here. Every one of us deals with this. There is not a man, woman, boy, and girl in here tonight that does not battle sin. You may think, man, Brother Andrew, I don't want anybody to know what the sin I deal with. Listen, I don't want anybody to know the sin I deal with. Because I did, listen, I battle sin. You battle sin? We battle sin. We're church staff. Man, you think we'd have it whipped. We don't. But I'll be honest with you, sin hinders us in the race. God showed me this, that the sin that's in my life, listen, there's no black, there's no white, there's no big, there's no small, there's no, eh, no, no, no. The sin that's in my life hinders my race. I got to see it, see it for what it is. There's sin in my life. The second thing that God showed me hinders my race tonight, or he showed me this a couple months ago, is this, my flesh. So what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? My flesh, my flesh is weak. So here's what's affected, here's what, here's what affects me, my attitude. How I treat my brother and sister in Christ. How I treat my neighbor. How I treat the waiter or waitress. How I treat my coworkers. Sorry, Miss Emily. Listen, hey, my flesh hinders my run in this race. My flesh. Hey, here's the amazing thing. I think we all deal with that, don't we? We all deal with a weak flesh, a flesh that is not willing to stand when we need to stand. Because here's what our flesh does to us as well. You know, Pastor Marshall, I really don't want to hit the altar. I really don't need to hit the altar. That's for brother so-and-so. Anybody been there? You know, Pastor Marshall, you do, you do realize that the money that I make, I make it. God doesn't make it for me, so I'm not going to tithe. I've had someone tell me, not from here, I've had someone tell me that before. No, 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 no. You and I, we all battle our flesh. Here's the third thing that God showed me. My pride. My pride. When you study your Bible, and specifically you study the topic of pride, you learn really, really quick that there were a lot of people in the Bible that struggled with pride. Um, Paul struggled with pride. Peter, David. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure everyone I can read about in my Bible struggled with pride, except for Jesus Christ. But you know, the thing is here tonight is that as we sit here in the first Sunday night of 2020, 
And it's a Sunday night, and it's a home crowd. I mean, we're just, you know, Brother Andrew, we're here Sunday night. No, 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 listen. We know deep down inside there's some pride in our life. Because there's some things this last year in 2019 that hindered our race. Because we were too prideful to lay it at the altar. We were too prideful to admit that, hey, I've made some mistakes in my life. We were too prideful to admit that there were some things that God challenged us at camp, at YouthCon, during revival, during a Sunday morning message, during a Wednesday night message, during Men of the Word, during Ladies Lift, during our personal Bible study. We're too prideful to admit that, man, God worked us over the coals. And so we would rather be hindered in the race because we think we're better than we really are. You know what probably one of the biggest struggles in America today is? Narcissism. Narcissism. If you've never done a word study, I'd encourage you to study out narcissism. This mentality that it's all about me. All about me. All about me. You know what that is? Pride. Pride. So, uh, bottom line, it's what it is, pride. And I would dare say that a majority of us, if not every one of us, this is the common denominator. You say, Brother Andrew, you don't understand me. I'm just so meek and humble. Meek and humble. David, even you deal with pride. As meek and humble as you might think you are, you deal with pride. We all deal with pride. But here's the most, uh, here's the most frustrating thing of all that God showed me when it comes to my hindrance in the race. Me. Me. Let me ask you tonight, how'd you run in 2019? How'd you run? Did you finish strong? Or did you allow something to creep in and hinder you from finishing the race? There's a young man right now in St. Joseph as a teenager, used to sit up on these front rows, that I've been praying for all year long. I'm not going to name him by name, but most of you in here know him. We've prayed for him as a church. You know, tonight his life is absolutely a mess. Absolutely a mess. And here we are on a Sunday night, David, sitting in church, enjoying the fellowship of one another. Here in a few minutes, the teens are going to go out and go to Waffle House, have a great time. And our life is just going to go on. And we're not going to think about this. We're going to think about everything else under the sun. And yet there are people outside these doors that are dying and splitting hell wide open. There's a young man right now who two years ago at YouthCon bawled like a baby on my shoulder and said this to me, I know I'm lost and I know I need to get saved. He never got saved. He's been to camp. He's been to youth rallies. He's done all kinds of things with the church, but yet he's not saved. You know what's really sad, Roman? Is that he could slip off into eternity and split hell wide open and we'll just go about our business like it doesn't even affect us. You know why we do that? Because we're focused on me, and me is what's hindering us from really seeing God move and work in our life and in our church's life. You see, the Galatians' salvation was supposed to honor and glorify God. 
But because of the Judaizers, their so-called salvation had nothing to do with God. Could it be tonight that we're hindered in our race, that we did run well for a while, because we're the ones standing in the way of God really moving and working? Man, I hope tonight, like was preached mm, just not too long ago, that our mindset is this, God, in 2020, I want more. I want more. God, in 2020, I want to give you more. God, in 2020, I want to see myself for who I really am. God, in 2020, I want to see you do things in my life and in my church's life. I want to see them. I want to experience them. I want to enjoy them. But Lord, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you. Lord, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I know that tonight there's obviously people here in this congregation. They have lives. They have families. They have jobs. They have careers. Lord, we're pulled to and fro, back and forth, all over the place with commitments, with our schooling, or just all kinds of things. But tonight, we just need to clear the plate, if you would, God, and we just need to focus on ourselves for a second. And we need to make sure that as we're standing before you, that we run this race. And Lord, not just run the race to run it, but Lord, that we might run it and not be hindered by things like sin, and our flesh, and our pride, Maybe even ourselves tonight, God. You know tonight, Lord, the issues that we have in our life, the sin that we're holding on to, that we're not willing to let go, that we're not willing to release. And Lord, you know tonight the effect it's having on our life. We might not vocally say it to our spouse or to our children or even to our pastor. But our Heavenly Father knows our struggle. Tonight, Lord, if we're not fully yielded, if we're not fully surrendered, we don't see our need, our need, individually, our need to get right with you, get on fire. Lord, we have no excuse, because there really isn't one. Because of salvation, because of the grace of God, we have liberty, liberty to live. We therefore have no excuse. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. As God spoke in your heart, the altars are open. Listen, tonight you're running a race in your Christian life. You're running. But how are you running? How are you running? I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith, and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me near. Thank you for being in the services today with us at Riverside Baptist Church. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we certainly would like to help you with that. You can get more information at our website at rbcstjoe.com or call here at the church. If you're a believer and God has spoken to your heart, I hope you'll take time to turn aside and let Him have His way in your life. If we can help in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to contact us. We look forward to ministering to you 
again.